All right, everybody, welcome to episode three here at Honey Podcast. Um, we're excited to be back, get another episode on the, the record here and get it out to everybody. So today, besides myself and Carson, we, we've got Ryan here, Ryan Bolton from uh, Greystone Mortgage, correct? Yep. Um, they might call him the mortgage magician. That, that's not fair to <laughs> <Okay>. say. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, go ahead and introduce yourself, Ryan. How long have you been in the business? You know, I've been doing mortgages for over 22 years now, so it's basically all I've known, done and known. And that's really what I try to do is make sure I just explain how the process works and I've seen and done it all. And that's why I wanted to be part of the podcast here to just show you some of the things I can do for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I met Ryan probably golfing, I would think. Probably. Where we're <laughs> yeah. So Ryan and I play a lot of rounds of golf together. And uh, usually I win. Just kidding. I don't think I've ever probably beat you in my life. <laughs> but uh, um, Ryan, very good golfer. Even better with mortgages, though. Um yeah, I, I do mortgages for a living. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to make any money playing yeah. golf. He's also good at throwing golf clubs. Throwing yes. golf clubs, break oh, clubs. Yes. Really oh, good yeah. at that. Oh, yeah. Cutting your hand on golf clubs, yep. I know. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, very good at mortgages. What I've always felt with Ryan is is uh, whenever I have somebody who might be approved maybe a little bit less, he seems to just be the one who will go the extra mile to make sure – he can get their credit up or he can just do better at approving them for a little bit more and help them get to that level where they can be approved for a house that's actually reasonable for them. So um, he, he goes that extra mile for each one of the clients and he's not going to ever call you to say, yeah, no, they're not approved for a loan. Sorry. He's going to tell them at least what it's going to take to get approve that loan. So. And I think that's the fun part of the business. If you're just sitting there pushing paper all day long, if you're just sitting there taking applications and only thinking you can do one type of loan, it's, you're going to burn out of this yeah. business pretty easy. So that's the fun part. The industry changes. It's dynamic, just like any other industry. If you're not moving and changing with the times and trying to find new ways to help people into the product that you offer, you're going to die. You're going to see that in any business. So especially even mortgages, where you think it's just cut and dry and just FHA or just conventional or just this. Sometimes there's other ways to get it done that can help somebody get more home, a cheaper payment. Just take the same scenario and say, how do we get the most out of this? Not just get another loan, just another you know XYZ loan. How do we get a little more? Yeah. And right now as home prices have gone up and as it gets tougher and tougher for people to afford homes, you've got to get more creative. You can't just stay with one loan product. Yeah, that makes sense because especially like if you talk about first time home buyers, right? Mm -hmm. Or somebody that's just getting in the market. They're, they're the hardest person to get into a house right now because Absolutely. they can't walk in with an extra 200000 cash usually or, you know, they're in a certain price point that's the most heavily shopped. Sure. So you need to have options, you know, that you can definitely walk them through and help them, you know, get through it. And, and that's a great question we get all the time. You know, first-time homebuyer, they, they think, oh, man, I've got to have all this money down. Mm -hmm. You know, with a first-time homebuyer, like, what's the first step for them? What, what can they expect as they come into the process? The first thing is definitely get pre-approved and find out where your credit scores are. That's one thing that most people don't know. You, got, you want to start there because having the score just be slightly better can open up other programs or make the payment cheaper, which then makes your buying power better. So first start, you gotta check where your credit's at. Gotcha. And there's little tricks you can do if you're early in the process. Too many times in our society, we're a microwave society. When they finally decide I'm gonna buy a house, they wanted it yesterday, yeah. or they want it right now. They want the call right now, they wanna do this. <laughs> but if you can call just a little early, a month or two before your lease is up or just something, you can do little tweaks to your credit that can make a big difference on which loan programs you qualify yeah. for. The next thing is there is 100% financing options out there, but having a little bit of a down payment again just opens up programs. But it's 3%. As little as 3% down, you can still get into a home and open up other programs. But there is 100% out there. Yeah. And a lot of times, 
people get security refunds back or they have a little bit of savings or maybe mom and dad can help with a small down payment or a gift and that can open up these other programs. Yeah. But I really want to start with credit because that takes more time to fix and you go from a 659 to a 660, a whole nother program opens up. That's one point. Yeah. And if you don't know where you're at, that's a that's a place to start. That's, that's place number one. Yep. How often do you see especially first-time buyers come, or even people who bought a few houses, uh, come in and say, hey, I, 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 I want to get a loan, but I don't have to put 20% down. Hmm. Do you get that all the time where people have this uh, perception that they have to have 10 to 20% down all totally. the time? Totally. You know, it's something where it's amazing how long that's been gone. I've been, Like I said, I've been doing this 22 years, and I would say the average down payment somewhere around 7%. So it's either 10 or five, you know? Yeah. But there is that, that idea that you have to have 20% down to buy a house. And that couldn't be further from the truth, and it's actually counterproductive. The difference in a mortgage payment by putting that extra 10% down, so you're talking 40 grand or 30 grand or something like that, doesn't save you that much on the mortgage. Might save you 100 bucks. Yeah. But 30 grand going somewhere else, maybe it can pay off a car, some other debt, that allows you to qualify for more, and now you're not looking at a $200,000 house, you're looking at a $300,000 house, right. and you still have the same monthly budget. These right. are the things you can do right. to help people get to the next tier by taking the same amount of money and putting it in better places. It, putting it all on the mortgage isn't necessarily the best option. Especially where percentage, you know, where our rates are, interest rates and yep. things are still so below. They're you know, giving that, money away, they really are. That, you know, that 20% <laughs> probably comes back from a mortgage rates were like 5%, 6%, mm -hmm. yep. and it's a generational thing that's probably been passed down forever, you know, people just- Well, yeah, yeah, and those that. houses are 100,000. They were right. 150, that 20% is a lot different than a $400,000 yes. house as well. And because of the differences in mortgage insurance and the things that have been available to in, get people into houses, yeah. there is better use of that money in many cases. Not only that, how do you get the money back? If you put 20, 30, 40, 100% just pay cash for the house, how do you get the money back? Get either selling house. or refinancing, yep. which is either higher rates or more fees, and the house will not go up or down in value regardless of what you owe. Yeah. So there's really no reason in many cases to tie up the debt unless it's coming from the sale of another house or all the other debts are paid off. You know, I really think there's a lot of ways you can do that. And I see some of the car payments these kids have, the student loans that they have, and it's like that, if you're gonna pay stuff off, those are probably better use of the funds than putting it towards the mortgage. Yeah, you get something paid off before you just throw in it all as a down payment. Totally, yeah. totally. But um, it is something where I think it's a generational thing. It was something where you live in the same house forever and we don't do that anymore. Or they put all this money down. We don't do that as much as we used to. And there's for good reason. There's yeah. just better ways to use that same amount of money. Now, let, let's say interest rates were higher. Let's say interest rates were six, 7% right mm -hmm. now. Would you then encourage people to put more down payment then, or? It depends it on the other debts, again. Okay. Even that money, even at five or 6%, it's still amortized over a longer period of time, and usually car loans and car payments, you could free up that 500 bucks a month on the car, put it towards the mortgage, and actually pay it off even faster right. with the same monthly outgo. You don't have to change your budget to pay it off faster, you just redirect where your money's going. Yeah, it's like every buyer's a little different, right? Yes. Each scenario is gonna be a little bit different. There's no like cookie, cutter that just fits everybody yep. so everybody's got to be a little different so number one we got to check our credit score yes we should be monitoring that anyway I mean most yep. people should be young kids probably just don't know that yet yep. just, I didn't you know I, mean, I wish no, they I taught didn't. that in school right <laughs> you get out of high school and you go to college and they show up with 15 credit cards and they go hey you qualify you know, like, know. Hey, you got a free t-shirt <laughs> give me a credit card or they go know? to Old Navy or Gap or something 10% off your purchase by putting it on a credit card I mean yeah they're just so prevalent and most people don't know how they work it's funny I've done seminars for the Chamber of Commerce and some other business groups and there's all kinds of myths of how credit works that even your parents don't know right 
Right. It's one of the most important three-digit number in your life, and most people don't even know how it works. Nope. Yeah. They don't know what affects it, or they think certain things do when they don't. Right. So yeah, starting with credit has got to be it's got to be number one, and it helps your mortgage, helps your auto insurance, yeah. helps possibly jobs. You know, there's a lot of jobs now will pull your credit. Yeah. I mean, when the credit score was first designed, it wasn't designed for mortgages and insurance and all the things it's morphed into over 50 years. So there's ways to be able to make sure you're maximizing the score. Yeah. And it can be really simple to boost the score 10, 15 points, which can just jump you to that next tier. But if you do it too late, you can't take advantage of some of those little tricks. Now, how often are you getting somebody that comes to you and says, oh, yeah, on Credit Karma, my, uh, my score <laughs> said it was 650. Yeah. And then... Uh, you actually check it, and it's actually, I mean, well under that. Is that common it that somebody comes incredibly using... incredibly common. Using yes. some random website. Are yep. there specific places that you would say might be more accurate than yep. others if people really want to check their credit? Definitely the actual credit bureaus. Experian, TransUnion are going to be where you want to see what your score actually okay. is, but you have to pay to get your score. Got A it. lot of the ones that are out there are using Vantix scoring, mm -hmm. which starts 100 points higher than a FICO score. <laughs> So, yes, I get that all the time. And usually it's not 650. It's always they tell me they have a 720 score because that's a magic number that floats out there. And when I pull it, it's 640 or yeah. it's 620 yeah. because we're actually pulling for a mortgage loan. We are pulling all the data we can possibly Everything. get. We're trying to get the most accurate score we can get, not just a guess on what yeah. the score could be based on the algorithm that this other scoring system does. Now, why they put that out there, I'm sure it's to sell memberships, sell credit monitoring, sell other things. Yeah. But I that's the most common frustration I have when people have some sort of monitoring. They see that Vantix score, not the FICO score, and it's always higher. Yeah. Always. And, and as much as a hundred points higher. And the FICO is the most important yes. one to pay attention yep. to. Every lender's gonna use it. We pull all three of the credit bureaus. So you have Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. We take the middle score of those three, and if there's a co-borrow like a husband and a wife, the lesser of those two. Yeah. So we're taking a little bit of a formula to figure that out. So if you're only pulling, say, TransUnion, or you're only working on TransUnion, and it's high, but your other two scores are low, mm -hmm. like some medical collections only report to one, or some bureaus only get reported to. So that's why we pull all three to get a complete snapshot of anything that could be out there, a collection that we missed, something like that. Makes I mean, sense. we're loaning the most money. We're loaning hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yes. We really want to know what the score's at, yeah. and that's that's why it's so important to know what it actually is. So like banking would say Wells Fargo, on their website they say, oh, your your FICO score has changed. There's a place you can check your FICO score. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that something we should even, you should even look at as accurate, yeah. or do you think that's better than... It is better, should? because okay. um, a lot of times what happened when the CFPB is one of the regulators that does a bunch of regulation on the mortgage industry, payday loans, credit card student loans are kind of that governing body with the government and they basically started telling credit card companies they have to help monitor then when Experian was hacked I don't know if you guys remember, yeah, I remember they had that. a big hack a lot of data leak part of that they had to start helping people monitor their score so it's becoming more prevalent through the credit bureaus and not just these agulators that are doing these other things but it is something where it's never going to be as accurate as actually physically applying for credit because that's when it's actually pulling the model and not right. just guess making an educated guess because even then, if it's just Experian, they're not going to see what's on TransUnion or Equifax. So they might miss a collection or miss a late or miss something that could lower the score. That makes sense. They're usually pretty close, but every once in a while you'll see one that's 40 points different because right. it just missed a trade line or something. Yeah. I mean, once a year, somebody should pull their credit. Yes. Right? Just, yep. And I think 
Experian might do it for free once a year. They'll let you pull not the score, they, they'll let you pull your history, your history. for free once okay. a year. Yes. So to actually get the score, you, you have to pay. pull it. So that's what I get a lot of times people think as well. Well, if I pull my credit, it's going to hurt my score. That's one of the most common things I hear. Yeah. They have changed that to where there's a shopping period. They yeah. allow you to pull it several times within a period of time where it doesn't count as an inquiry every single time. But once you pass that waiting period or get excessively pulling it, it dings your score worse. Yeah. Gotcha. And I often have people tell me, why does it hurt your score at all? Well, let's say we pull a credit report and we see five new inquiries. Does that five new cars, five new visas, a house? Yeah. We don't know because it takes 30 to 60 days for that trade line to actually show up. Yeah. So it's a way to kind of slow things down so time can kind of catch up to that inquiry. In yeah. fact, when we do the mortgage, we actually have to ask the client what happened with these inquiries. Did you get a new car, a new loan, a furniture loan at you know Boulevard or RC Willie or something yeah. like that? So it is something where that's part of, of monitoring that. But it does ding your score, but not as much as it used to during that shopping period. So get get a second opinion. Yeah. So many times people get car loans or and they check around, but they don't do it as much with a mortgage. Yeah. And it's this idea, oh, I don't want to ding my score. Yeah. And it really dings at two to five points maybe, yeah. so it shouldn't drop you to the next tier. But if it does, sense. it's good to know about that now instead yeah. of later. And yeah. credit-wise and, of course, just approval-wise, I mean, how uh, – I get a lot of people who say, oh, no, man, I've got $10,000 credit card debt, and then I've got a car loan for 300 bucks a month. I mean – it's still possible to get loans with with credit card debt and 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 loans and Absolutely. all that stuff, right? I will tell you this: the car loans out there are getting crazy. I'm seeing loans that are seven, eight hundred bucks for yeah. the brand new Chevy Denali yeah. <laughs> because the payments on these trucks are going up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a I had a credit report that I saw the other was a twelve hundred dollar truck payment. And I'm going, wow, Holy cow, that's a that's and a lot. That's <laughs> a, a nice lot truck, for a truck. Yeah, it's a, I yeah, hope so. Yeah. Yes. But it is something where, yeah, you can still have these other debts. We we take the gross income that we can qualify on. So with income, you're going to have different ways we calculate what somebody's income is. Yeah. It's based on can, how long they've been on the job. The longer they've been, the more we'll use the averages. If it's commission-based or hourly, salary, overtime. So there's formulas that we determine what is the most likelihood that this is going to continue. Yeah. Then we take that number, divide it by typically 45%. And the new mortgage and all the other debts have to fall under that number. Now, of course, there's exceptions. I've seen times where we couldn't get 40% approved because they make a thousand bucks a month. So it's yeah. such a small leftover mm -hmm. margin. And other times I've seen it go as much as 60% when somebody makes a lot more because they have more money left over. Um, but that's one of the formulas, again, that we use to determine how much can they afford if we add a mortgage to that debt. Right. But absolutely, you can have a credit card. I mean, I've seen all kinds of different things. Here's a question. I think, and as real estate agents, this applies to us and any realtors watching uh, or listening, but uh, self-employed people, yeah. right? Yep. There's now, especially uh, as COVID has hit and everything, I think the amount of people who are self-employed and running a business from home is increasing greatly. Dramatically, um, yes. And yes. so tell us a little bit about what a self-employed person needs to consider and what they need to make sure that they have in order to get um, any type of loan. Totally. That's probably the harder loan to do because one of the benefits of being self-employed is writing off the kitchen sink. Yep. That's one of the benefits. Even a lot of even financial planners over the years have said, get some sort of side hustle. Get a side job so you can write off the kitchen room table. You yeah. can write off a part of the house. You can write off your mileage. You can write off these types of things. So the tricky part with that is when you're self-employed, the guidelines state we take the bottom line. So after you make those deductions, after you pay yourself, after you do all those things, we have to take the bottom line. And most people that are self-employed try to get that bottom number as low as they possibly can. 
So that's the tricky part with being self-employed. Mm -hmm. So outside of checking credit, that's the next thing we like to do. Let's take a look at the tax returns, especially before you file. I mean, we're right at that time of year where people are filing or even filing extensions. We do free reviews all the time and say, okay, if you can move box A to box B or move some of the things on the tax return, we get to add it back into your income, like depreciation and mileage and certain things we can add back in, yeah. but if they make that bottom number negative, I've seen so many returns where the top number is 150 grand or whatever the top number is, bottom number zero, or yeah. even below zero, yeah. that's the number we're taking as a loan. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta take a tax hit for one year to get the income up to be able to qualify. That makes sense. But there's lots of ways we can move things around. I, I can't tell you how many tax returns I see that they have the normal meals and mileage yeah. and the normal deductions, yeah. and there's always, everybody that's self-employed right now, look at your tax return, They'll see something that says C attached statement, C statement number five. It's on every return I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's another statement that's in the tax return that lumps in all these other expenses. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those can get moved into the front box. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we can add back into income. So you still get the tax benefit, but we get added back into income. But not knowing that, or already filing your return, now you're stuck with it, and you have to wait till the next tax year to do it. Right. Yeah. The other thing, they do require two years typically on self-employed. If you've been in business for five years, sometimes we get a waiver if credit scores are good and down payment, things like that, where we only get a one-year tax return. That could be huge. Yeah. You know, especially as income has really been changing with COVID right. and other things. Like some businesses are just taking off during this, yeah. and obviously some are barely surviving. Does that work with the side hustle too? If you've yep. had it for like five years, yep. they can say, okay, you only need to do one yep. year. Even though you have another income, you can include it. Okay. Yes, that it is sense. an exception. I would say most of the time, plan on two years. Yeah, it's, it, but it is sometimes that is something we can do as a one-year tax. If return. you've been doing it for two years, you've got your tax returns. And yep. it's not going to ding you as much if that's your only if that's a side hustle, not your only income. Yes, yes, uh, yep. makes sense. I mean, nowadays everyone has a side hustle. It seems like, like it. Yep, you have to have something. But a lot of right? times, it's a side hustle to lower tax burden, right. not necessarily to earn the, more income. They're right. using that as a way to write off other things and trying to get that number negative to go against their positive on their W-2 or something of else. Course. So makes sense. Yep. That brings up a good point. So side hustles right now, I mean, let's just talk about like Dogecoin, talk yeah. about Dogecoin, Bitcoin, talk <laughs> yeah. about stocks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I know, I think all of us are kind of into that little world, a little yeah. bit, just kind of fiddling around and see what's going on. Um, maybe some of us more than just fiddling around. <laughs> but uh, yeah. um, tell us what, what people should be expecting because that, that's another big factor that people don't don't recognize when they're, when they're trying to get a loan on something and say, I mean, there's there's some people. Yeah, their their job, they're getting great, they're getting great uh, um, income and everything from their job. But maybe they lost uh, twenty thousand dollars in Bitcoin last year. Is that something that's going to affect them? Uh, and then, is it different between stocks and cryptocurrencies right now on on what that might do for their loan? That is that's a great question. The mortgage industry is trying to figure that out. As we have this emerging technology, we have to kind of figure it out. And most of what the guidelines have stated, they treat it like a foreign currency exchange. So it's something where if you have money in Coinbase or Robinhood or uh, Webcam, there's a bunch of different ways you can get it in your digital wallets. They'll want to see what that conversion rate to convert it back into U.S. dollars is. They have to show it goes back into some some other account. Just like if you were trying to change euros or yen or something back into yeah. to currency, that's what we're going to look at. Now, as far as the losses on it, that is still something that's just like the same as capital gains on the other side. It is something that they will look at is how it flows through the tax return and how it actually affected their income situation. But usually it's just loss, like a capital gains, it's the re reverse of it. If there's a track record of always having, we can use it. If there's a negative, we don't have to necessarily hit it against their income. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how that all 
pans sure. out and plays through everything because you make real income, right? Like some people invested yeah. ten grand and they've got a hundred thousand dollars. Sure, now. Yeah. they don't really look at that as income. It's just assets you can use for yeah, down payment, asset, pay off yeah. other debts, that kind of stuff. But we yeah. really wouldn't be something where now we do have loans where you can, if you have enough money in the bank that would cover the mortgage payments, mm -hmm. they'll use that as income. But that's usually much higher rates, yeah. more money down. They call it asset depletion loans. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a stated income loan like we saw during the housing crisis of 08, 09. Yeah. But it's a, another way to be able to say, well, this makes sense. The client's got a 780 score. They got 40% down. They've got a million in the bank. We'll do that loan. Right. It just won't be the same as a right. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac type loan yeah. because it's not secured the same way. So if somebody is, is say they sell real estate on the side, and that's just kind of their part-time job, mm -hmm. and then... And then what they're doing all day is they're sitting at their computer at their desk and they're day they're day trading cryptos and they're maybe doing a little bit of stocks stock trading here um is it a lot harder for you to to show on on their loan approval say hey this is your this is your income this year um and uh what should they watch out for there really it's going to be a two-year average as well correct so if you have this crazy year this year or even last year but the year before was negative or not even doing it the year before it's the same thing i want to see a two-year average of the income there's a lot out there called ATR or ability to repay. Us as lenders have to show how did we figure out their monthly income? Is it likely to continue for the next three years? Well, the only way to kind of know that is to see uh, how long they've been on the job. Obviously, the longer they've been doing it, the yeah. more we're going to show a track record. Right. Or if they're getting pension or award letters or something else, we have to show it's going to last more than three years. Right. Mm -hmm. Child support. It's got to show that the child's under 18, usually under 15, to show that income's going to continue for three years. Right. So. When it is these these spikes of commission increases or anything like that, yeah. that's when it gets pretty tough. They'll average it over 24 months. Yeah. So if you didn't do it at all in 2019, started in 20, and now you're still doing it now, most likely if you average that, it won't offset the one really, really good year. So it really just depends on how long they've been doing it. If you just started jumping on the dodge to the moon, doggy to the moon, yeah. whatever it is yeah, uh, trending right now, um, it's going to be tough to say that's your income. Yeah. And yeah. would you really yeah. want it to be? When you think about right. it, yeah. would you really want to get a $400,000 mortgage that's yeah. $2,500 a month knowing you had to make that money for the next five years? Yeah. I think most people realize, no, I wouldn't want to necessarily use it. In fact, I have a lot of people that get child support alimony and it's so inconsistent, they just right. consider kind of bonus money or when they yeah. get it, they get it or comes miss a couple months and catches it up, you know, so they don't want it to actually be part of their qualification. Yeah, yeah, because they don't want to be qualified for something that they can't technically right. afford without that money. Yep. Yeah. Makes sense. You touched on something that like I think is a hot topic in real estate right now. Okay. It probably always is, but it's something that really focuses everyone talks about it. The crash of 08. Yeah. Right? Yes. Everyone's like, yes. it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> We're do it's gonna crash, right? Yep. I don't think people understand what caused that crash is not what's going to happen this time correct right the the crash now if it happened would be based on some other things right correct. what's your opinion you know i get that all the time i have people say i'm going to wait for the houses to come back down like they right. did no way because it's on our memory most of us are, are yeah and been in the business yeah. long enough and we're trying to avoid that too we don't want to see that same thing happen right. but you're totally right what caused that was free money it was free you fogged a mirror you got a home loan 100 financing no skin in the game and so when everybody started not being able to make the payments as jobs changed or just the economy started changing, rates started moving up, they just walked away. They had no skin in the game. Yeah. And then so many more lenders were created because it was just easy money that they didn't know what to do with all these foreclosures. Yeah. So instead of slowly putting them on the market, they flooded the market with foreclosures. We're seeing the opposite now. Yeah. The government's stepping in saying you can't foreclose, you yeah. can't evict, you can't do these things. Right. 
if anything, it's hurting the market because we don't have any inventory. Right. Foreclosures are a natural part of the, you know, people yeah. pass away, they lose their job, yeah. stuff happens. It's unfortunate, but foreclosures are just like car repos. It's yeah. a natural part of how the, the money works. Yeah. In fact, we even have health uh, stats in our business that if we don't have a certain number of foreclosures, we're being too tight with loaning money. They actually, wow. it's a natural, healthy part of just it's how this sort of life, right? Like it's just part yep. of the deal. And us as lenders are like, okay, we just loaned $400,000 on a house. We can't evict on it. How are we going to get investors that want to invest in something they can't get their money back out of? Right. And now they're, and I think that's going to hurt us more than it's going to help. We're already starting to see Fannie and Freddie raise the risk of doing loans because they know that money could be out longer. Yeah. If it takes a year to foreclose on somebody, that's a year worth of money that's just sitting out there that they don't get they back. Don't get back. So I think we're going to start seeing that hopefully loosen up to where it's just a natural part. Now, obviously, there's the humanistic side. You yeah. don't want to kick somebody out that's no. gone through the problems, lost yeah. their job, yeah. or had the government shut down their job, yeah. so they have no choice to, to, to do that. But I think that's, that's one of the problems that we're having, is we really have a lack of inventory. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a stat that showed that we built like 22 million homes every decade. That's yeah. like been the average for like the last four decades. In the last five years, we built 5 million homes. Wow. That's 15 million less homes than we normally build. That's yeah. crazy. That is really crazy. I had not seen that stuff. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. So it just it's just really a supply and demand. And we are seeing some exoduses out of some bigger states yep. that are just flowing to these other states that just, oh, you know. It's clear here. Our, our supply and demand here is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I thought I saw a stat that for every one listing, there's 18 agents or something like that. It's one of the stats it's, I saw. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, last year it, in... There was 1,500 homes available for sale. Yeah. Right now, there's like 297. That's ins- that is incredible. And, and every there's 2,000 registered agents in the St. George mm. area. Okay. And every one of them has 300 buyers that would buy tomorrow. Yeah. If you could find the house for them. Well, that's right? what I'm seeing too. I'm seeing the price on the house seems to be what the market's dictating, but everybody's coming in more because of the the supply right. demand issue, not because of artificially propping up mortgages or values or anything like that. Now, yeah. a lot of agents are even shooting the moon even more. They get their CMA, they get their analysis, 400,000. Well, let's try 420. Yeah. Yeah. And they get 450 or even more. Yep. And it's not because they're pricing them wrong and the market's not doing it. It's just because people have either the money from where they're coming from by selling another house yes. or there just isn't anything else and they can afford paying more. Right? Well, that's a big part that affects you, right? Yes. Because if it's not a cash deal or they have the cash to cover, I mean, mm-hmm. houses are selling well above appraisal. Yes. Right, so and the appraisals can't catch up fast enough yeah. because they're comparison marketing. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. It, what do? How how often do you do something that you see go back on the market because they? Not as often. You know, it, most of the time, what we're seeing is that people just have to bring in that extra. So the same yeah. thing if they have the extra twenty or thirty percent down, now they're only putting really ten percent down on loan, and the other ten percent is going for the just over the appraised yeah. value. Yeah. So that's what we're seeing with a lot of that, lot of that. and it's going to happen probably a little bit more before it slows down. Are yeah. you are you seeing appraisals starting to catch up quite yet? I mean, no, because again, the, the, they're go off the last six months. Yeah. So it, we even talked about it where there's a house that was just sold, just bought for four hundred. It just sold for six two months yep. later. Yep. And it's something where they're always going to be a little behind both right. curves right. when things are correcting or when they're always just because of the way the appraisals are designed to work. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot of sense. But yep. it brings me to another point that you, you talked to us a while back. We had a conversation about people that are cash buyers. Yeah. Right. And putting that cash towards the house based on putting that cash in a different account mm-hmm. compared to the interest rates and stuff. Yeah. I mean, talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of people don't understand the cash buying is great and it's awesome that you can do it, but you're kind of just, you're losing money when you do it that way, right? You really could because 
like we kind of started talking about, when you put that much money down, whether it's 100% or even 50% down, how do you get the money back? Right. It's selling or refinancing the home. That's the only way you get that money back versus having that money in some other account that's earning interest. Now, people say, well, I can't get an interest rate right now at 3 or 3.5% like a mortgage. Yeah. Well, that's right now. You can't tell me that savings rates and other things, as inflation becomes a concern, as money starts to move and slow down, that savings rates also aren't going to go up. If mortgage rates are going up, so are savings rates, other yeah. things. Now, you don't have to be very aggressive. You, know, you can be aggressive with some of it. So we've layered this for people. So we'll have... $400,000, we'll put maybe 100000 that really safe. We'll put the next of it maybe in index funds. We'll put the next in other things that layer that risk. But I look at it, the bank's going to get the money either way. Yeah. Why not spread that out over time? So I showed a client, and in fact, I've got some notes here. We had a client that was $450,000. Instead of putting all that money down, we basically put $28,000 down, took the rest and put it in an account. That made the payment for 18 years. That same amount of money sitting there in the drafted account. the mortgage payment, yeah. and the mortgage was covered for the next 18 years. Mm-hmm. Tell me where $400,000 sitting for 18 years is going to give you a better rate of return than zero. Right. Yeah. Because it's just sitting on the equity. It's not giving you a rate of return. Yeah. The, yeah. Home, the home is going to go up or down in value yeah. regardless of what's owed. Yeah. Right. It's not like you free and clear house appreciates faster than one that's 100% financed. Yeah, but your mortgage, you're locked in for 30 years. So Yeah, you're locked in that money at yeah. 30 year fixed yeah. while savings rates and everything and other opportunities show up. Buy another house. Yeah. Buy yeah. two of them. Buy three. There's no reason to just tie all that up. You wouldn't take all that money and buy one piece of gold or one Dodge coin yeah. or yeah. one I think it's pronounced gold Doge. Doge, whatever it is. <laughs> doggy. <laughs> I thought it was Doggy forever. I, I, thought, I, I thought, thought it was Doggy for a long be, time. Yeah. Yeah. But Doge is, I think, I, I think don't Doge know. is right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's something where if you told somebody, hey, I've got one gold bar, one stock, you wouldn't put all that money in. They always talk about diversification, yeah. yet with mortgages, you can leverage better, you can diversify more, you can set your payment the same for the next 30 years on that money. Why would you tie up that much money? Right. Yeah. There's just no reason to. And if you have any other debt, a car loan, a visa, anything, do you have emergency funds, savings? There's just way more places to put that than yeah. one house. Right. And and I think that's it's very interesting. The first time you ever told us about that, I, I was, I mean, I was, I was like, yeah, I'll pay cash for a house. I mean, if I can pay cash for a house, might as well not have not having yep. a mortgage. Then you brought that up. It's like, wait, you're right because I could just buy three houses with that same cash over the next even four or five years or so- mm-hmm. or sooner um, because the payment's not going to change in the next 30 years. Yep. Um, so I-, I would say that's something, especially if you're a cash buyer thinking about, hey, I've got 300 sitting in the bank. I'm just going to buy- go buy this house in cash. Think about what you could do over these next 30 years with that same money exactly. uh, rather than just putting it all into one place and now you're pretty much back to square one starting over trying to make new money again. Totally. And it locks it up. Again, you can't get the money back without selling the house or refinancing. Right. Yeah. And where are rates going to be when you need to m- pull the money back out? Yeah. You could become your own bank. I tell that people all the time. You, you could become your own bank by having that money in yeah. accounts. Now, you want to protect yourself from yourself. The society is designed to buy now. Every commercial... Is, is designed with the sound and the lighting and everything is designed yeah. to get your money. So there is yeah. some safeguards you want to do to protect that money. But yeah. even if you just sat it in the bank and automatically drafted the mortgage payment, let's say it's 450 and you just say, okay, I want to have it paid off in 10 years. Take that money and just have it draft out of the account. Now you're mortgage free because it's already being paid by itself. And while it's waiting to go to the lender, it's earning interest instead of the bank. Yes. I mean, there's just better ways to use that money. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And it tells people, I don't want a mortgage payment. Well, you won't have a mortgage payment in this scenario for 18 years. Yeah. 
And that's earning zero interest on the money while it's sitting there and over how, 18 years. And how many people now sit in a home for 18 years? Very few. Very, very few. I mean, it's You'll downgrade, years. upgrade, kids will change. You know, you'll, you'll, yeah. there's all kinds of things that will happen in 18 years. And, and those are the people that, let's say there is a big market crash. Yeah. Then they're sitting there like, wow, well, I already put all the money into the house. So, uh, yeah, what yeah. am I going to do? Yeah, now what? Nope. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I think people are often afraid. They want to get into investing, especially in, you know, real estate, right? It's mm -hmm. one of the greater investments you can do. Absolutely. It has a great return yep. to it. Yep. it. But people are, you know, I just don't know if I can afford it. You know, I want to buy a house. I can buy a house. Like he said, you can take that same money. And now I'm going to buy a house I'm going to live in. Now I'm going to buy this one as an investment. And I'm going to buy this one as an investment. You know, yep. I think it's important yeah. that people come in and talk to you guys and say, look, what, because I didn't know a lot of that stuff until I started doing this business and talking, you know, yeah. like you and other people. Like, well, it's the same, same thing as that 20% down thing. It's, oh, you just got to pay off my house. I have the money. I'm just going to pay off the house. Yeah. But then you look at it and you say, where else can that money go? Yep. Okay, so you're going to have a house that's maybe 300 bucks cheaper because you put the money down. Yep. But it tied up 100000 Five, you know, 150,000, and I've got two car loans and a visa and this and this and that. It's like, wait a minute, you could take the same amount of money, pay off everything, so all you have left over is the house, and still have money left over yeah, in the bank. Yep. Yeah, yep. That is true financial security. Yeah. Having a house free and clear is great, but I can't tell you how many times I have a, a wife that comes to me, the husband's passed away, they're looking at a reverse mortgage or something like that, and they have a fixed income of a thousand bucks a month. But they got all this equity in the house yeah. that they can't get to now because they now can't qualify for a loan. Right. So, or they have to do a, an expensive loan like a reverse mortgage or something like yeah. that. Where if you just look at it more as a financial plan, as a piece of of your financial structure, there's way better ways to use that money. Yeah. The yeah. same person, like I said, I can't believe how many people will come and pay cash for the house. I said, well, hey, I got a gold bar. You want to buy? Put all this money into one stock, yeah. one bond, one gold. Nobody would do that. Yeah. Nobody would recommend doing that, but yeah. we see it with real estate day in and day out. For sure. Yeah. Now, obviously, loans are harder. They are going to be harder to get, yeah. yep. but the rates now are the best we've seen ever and right. probably ever will be because right. look at the driving forces to keep rates as low as they are. They're lower than the 08 crisis yeah. Yeah. because of these, these forces on the market. Yeah. And you can't tell me they won't get worse, and you can't tell me savings rates won't get better over the next yeah. 10 right. years. Right. But either way, they're going to get the money either way. Yep. Why give it to them all right now? Why not spread it out over five years, 10 years, or in this scenario, 18 years? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's much better. I mean, if we had another COVID situation or whatever, mm -hmm. and you've now put all your money in your house and you lose your job, yep. what am I going to do? Yeah. You yep. know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense to put it all in there. You Correct. know, like talk to somebody and get it figured out. That's yeah. usually what we do. We kind of go, okay, here's what you were planning on doing. Here's kind of what we do. And we usually end up meeting somewhere in the middle that just makes sense. Yeah. You know, maybe they do have just plenty of money and they just want to pay off the house for right. you. But I look at this again, why buy one? Why not buy two? Go 50% down on this, 50% down on that one. Now you have some cash flow, you have some investment there, you're getting appreciation, rent, tax breaks. Like you said, real estate's one of the best vehicles we can do because you don't need 150,000 to buy a $150,000 house. You need 28,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? There's few things where you can buy an entire asset that can appreciate without having to buy the entire asset. Now, so here, kind of halfway off subject, but I think this is something that uh, it was brought up to me maybe a month ago or so with a client. Okay. They had a, they had physical investments like gold, silver. Okay. Uh, for me, I, I actually have a lot of investments in sports cards, uh, okay. in graded sports cards, but it's a physical piece that I have locked away yeah, in a safe, yeah. right? Uh, They're not making any more of them. You no, know, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and some of those, it's insane to see what the value is all of a yeah, sudden, right? Yeah. Now, with that said, we're getting some buyers who they might have 
$30,000 worth of gold in their safe yeah. locked away at home. Mm -hmm. And then they go to you and maybe they don't have that much cash actually in the bank. They say, oh yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't have that much cash in the bank, but in my safe at home, I've got all this gold, right? Yeah. And their th then their thought process is, well, I mean, my, um, saving my, my net worth, if, if they want to call it that, of what I have locked away and stored away in, in extra safes, well, that's high, so you're going to give me a loan, right? So <laughs> yeah. maybe explain to people that way what they need to expect. If they're getting ready to buy a house, what do they need to expect to do with, say, that gold, the silver, the, the baseball yep. cards, whatever that is? What do they need to do to make sure what they have there can go towards Totally. Uh, getting approved. So same thing as like a foreign exchange or a currency or something where you're changing from yen to or euros or something like that to dollars. We can do the same thing. I had a gentleman that had bought a, an amazing amount of silver, like just an amazing amount before it really went up. And this was maybe, man, this has been quite a, quite a few years ago. So we had to get an appraise, show how much there was and show what that value was. We were able to use that actually, but he has to cash that in to use it as the down payment. But we have the down payment requirement and reserves. We want to see people have some money left over right. in case they lose their job or something yeah. like that. So that's usually where some of that will go is just verify they have some fallback or emergency funds or something like that. But to use it as down payment, they would have to convert it or sell it or something like that. So that's what you usually end up. But I had the okay. gentleman basically sold some of the silver. The rest of it we just showed that he had gotten an appraisal on or showed what the current market value was for it and used that for reserves. Okay. Reserves are much more common also on investment properties. So on primary residences, they usually don't have as many requirements. But if you start getting three and four and five and six homes rentals, they want to see you have some money left over that if you lose a renter or have to fix it or something happens with the house, that you have some money to fall back on. Yeah. So as you start building an investment portfolio, the guidelines get a little bit tougher with every new home you have. Uh, Fannie and Freddie have four homes that you can buy financed. Once you get past four, credit scores increase. Once you get past eight, they increase again. You can't do more than 10. If you go more than 10 finance properties, then you have to go into non-traditional type financing and rates and terms get a lot worse. But there's these little tiers to get the cheapest money out there. And it's four, eight, and then 10. You touched on something that it recently has really grown here in St. George. Okay. And it's not just traditional investment properties, but we're, people are buying nightly rentals. Ah, the RBOs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. it, it, it's a if, market. If they, if they exist to buy. If they yeah, exist to yes, buy. Yes. But when they come up, they sell for, they're, they're substantial. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's amazing what they're getting dollar per square foot because they can throw that VRBO logo on there. Yep. And I think, for my opinion, We've built more beds for people to sleep in in St. George. That yeah. St. George has discovered like unbelievable. I mean, I've been here 15 years. I don't know how yeah. long you guys have been here, but yeah. it's just amazing to see how well discovered and how well the tourist department has done with bringing Ironmans and marathons. And, yep. and this area is amazing. It's amazing. It's one of the best places I've ever lived in the whole country. I and agree. it's getting discovered more and more. Yeah. And it is something where because of that demand, they built a ton of hotels. Right. Yeah. I think we've literally doubled our capacity we've just in hotels. Yep. And now we've added all these VRBOs. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's one area that that we're going to see a little pullback on because there's just so many opportunities for people to, to stay here. There is. So how does somebody or what can someone expect? So yeah. I'll just use Estancia, right? I'm just going to okay. use that one because I recently did something up there. Okay. $485,000, right? Yep. Investment property, if they're going to do a loan, they're going to do a higher percentage down, right? Yes. I mean, it's going to be a higher percentage. But it still nets, you know, or grosses 50000 55000 a year. Yep. So, I mean, you can invest in that, even with 20% down, make your payment on the mortgage by what's coming in yep. from that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and here's why I prep 
people for. If you're buying it completely to where it's always, always, always going to rent, you're going to have times where you're not going to be able to maybe cover the, the yep. hotter months of the year. Yep. I mean, every place is going to have seasons yep. where it's going to be, you can rent it every single day, you know, and then there's other times where you may not rent it quite as much. So you yep. want to prepare for that. When you're making the money in the hot months, save it to where you can cover the, the mortgage or the expenses, the HOA, whatever there is on there during those slower months. Yeah. But it is, like you said, there is more money down on investment properties. You have to have more money in the bank after your down payment, and it's part of that same debt ratio. If you don't have a history of being a landlord, they may not use the projected rents. They're gonna to wanna to see a two-year history again gotcha. of what that home has actually done, or a history of being a landlord. So again, if you got that much money down, that's where you can get started in this the investing in real estate and build a portfolio and be able to help you qualify. A lot of times you're going to have to qualify basically for both mortgages. Yeah, they won't yeah. really count that rental income, especially if it's the first time you've jumped into yeah. this market. And that makes sense. The lender's going to go worst case. We're not in the business of foreclosing. We don't want to yeah. foreclose. The government doesn't want us to no. foreclose. So it's something where all the guidelines are designed to minimize that risk. So are you seeing some of these VR bo- VRBOs uh, require portfolio loans? Um, sometimes. Them? Yep. Sometimes. It depends on the down payment. depends on the risk. Uh, and it, it, most people should know, but VRBO is vacation rental by owner. Yep. Just so if anybody yeah. knows there. So you're basically have a home that you're really using as a vacation home and you're renting it when you don't. Yeah. That's become a new term than just straight six month lease or one year lease yeah, or something like that. Yeah. So that our industry is also trying to figure out how do we count that income. There's some lenders that just don't, don't yeah. count it at all because it's just too inconsistent. They don't know when it's going to get used. And you're seeing that the home's prices, if they don't have that VRBO, don't sell for that amount. Yeah. There's really a big markup because of that rental possibility. Well, I mean, if you, if, if let's say it's 2021 and uh, a lender is wanting to take the VRBO history from 2019 and 2020, it's going to be two extremely different histories. Totally. Because yep. 2019, I mean, the world was, I wouldn't consider it normal, but it was <laughs> a little bit more normal. Whatever normal was. March, February, March of 2020, uh, things changed. Yeah. And, especially uh, in the hospitality, travel, exactly. business, yeah. and especially certain states. Yeah. yeah. And some have benefited. Like, there's always winners and losers in every crisis. Sure. Yes. And Utah, like Utah has been a, we benefited a lot from A lot. This. A yeah. ton. And yeah. I think some of it's the political climate. Some of it's yeah. just wait and see. Some of it, we are a little more isolated. Yep. And we're, we're not a very big area. We're not a Vegas or Salt Lake. We're yeah, kind of yeah. that little bridge city in between. Yeah. So we were able to kind of just pull back, look around, and go, what do we do with all this? Yeah. Yeah. And we did benefit from some of the political climate. For sure. But it is something where that could change on a dime. We, yeah. In 08, we got crushed in 08 where other yeah. places didn't because yeah. we were that resort area and that was a lot of second homes, that type of thing. So there's always going to be winners and losers in this type of stuff, and we just happen to be a big winner. But like you said, if 19 was low, 2021 was really high, they're going to average that. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to want to try to be what's worst case, what's an average. Yeah. And if you don't have a long track record, they may not count that income at all. I yeah. see that happen a lot. And if you don't qualify without it, that's where it's going to get harder to get the loan. I think what we've seen, though, and I think it's a change for good, is, is you see now people don't have to go into work. Yes. They can work anywhere. Yep. Right? Everyone has figured out remote work. Yeah. Yep. So places like this, you see people are renting VRBOs for 60 days at a time. Yes. They come here, they work during the day, and then they take advantage of our client, yeah. you know, our climate and yeah. our mountains and our outdoor yep. activities, our yep. golf. I mean, St. George is a world-class place. I tell you what, within an, other than the ocean, within about a, a you know hour of this place, you're finding just about everything, everything. from skiing in the winter to, yeah. to lakes. To I mean, it really is. And I've always said you, you feel like you're more in the painting here in St. George. Absolutely. Where a lot of times you have a big mountain range that's a big backdrop or you know a canyon or something that's just kind of a backdrop. Yeah. This, you're in it. It's 3D. It's everywhere. You're up in it. You're around the coloring. 
I mean, if everybody in Phoenix knew about this place, we'd be we double overnight. Yes. Because that same kind of climate, the same kind of temperature throughout the year, maybe a little bit cooler even. Well, and it changes but then you're throughout just... the day. I mean, the colors <laughs> around here. I mean, every time of day, the colors of the rock it's around I know. It, it's a different color. Sunset out here is just nuts. It's isn't ridiculous. It? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a so cool it's getting place. discovered. We're definitely getting discovered. For better or for worse, we're going to find out. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that comes with that kind of growth. Yep. You're going to see congestion in some of the areas, like the Washington exit. They've been talking about forever yeah, how yeah. just. That, that's going to happen with growth as well. Like a racetrack out there and a big car de- a big <laughs> yeah. uh, auto mall out there. It's yeah. amazing how much no. they're building. It, it's crazy. That I mean, southern ex- corridor is going to be. They expect us to yeah. double in size. Yep. Yeah. That's what they expect in the yep. next five to ten years, which is yeah. nuts if you think about yep. it. Go from two fifty to five hundred thousand is right. just crazy growth. I, honestly, I think that projection's low. I really do based, yeah. based on what we're seeing. But if you're going to project anything over the last six months, you're going to be way off. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're not. You know, crypto people, you're going to be way off if yeah. you think yeah. it's going to be this way next year. I mean, so that's why you just have to plan for the worst. And I yeah. think too many times we as a society, the way our commercials are, the way our psychology works, it's always kind of a buy now. It's always kind of this fast moving thing. It's always going to be kind of this way. Yeah. And you just, you want to protect yourself as much yeah. as you can. How long have you lived in St. George? I moved here in 05. In 05. What about mm-hmm. you, Jeremy? Nine years now. Nine years. Yep. And I've 2015-ish, 2015, yep. 2016 is when I, when I came yep. here. So um, Ryan is uh, one of the I would say personally, I mean, definitely one of the best, most knowledgeable people about mortgages that you'll find in the area. Hopefully, you've seen that a little bit just today, as yeah. what you could say. But and he could, you could probably talk to Ryan for for a good three, four hours about this stuff. This is this is the fun um, stuff. This is the this is the why we do it. If you're not, if you're sitting there just pushing paper and typing on your computer all day long, yeah, it's not fun. And meeting deadlines and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It can be a stressful business, but it's one of the more rewarding. I get to go through the yeah. experience of helping somebody buy a house. Yeah, one of the more stressful, one of the most rewarding jobs you can probably. Have and yeah. and the worst thing about Ryan is playing golf with him because when you play golf with him, he's working at the same time. <laughs> That's and true. He's on his phone, he's working, and and but it's good and and especially as an agent, you want that in your lender, and you want that when we're when we're uh, telling clients, hey, trust Ryan, he knows what he's doing. You want somebody who's going to go that extra mile, and you know what? He might have something going on. Uh, you might be hanging out with your wife at eight o'clock at night, and I'll send you something say, hey. Uh, this client I have needs pre-approval, and suddenly I get it at 8:30 at night, and it's pretty cool. So, uh, so somebody like Ryan, I, I would say, please call him, go sit down with him, go play golf with him, uh, <laughs> yeah. anything. He's uh, he's very knowledgeable, uh, much more knowledgeable than Jeremy or I for are sure. with anything, especially loan related. Yeah, for um, sure. But he's part of Team Honey. Goodness, uh, my goodness. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, he's also that fifty dollar endorsement, man. It goes a long way. <laughs> yeah, really, there you go. <laughs> well, I would say, I mean, I, I think that's part of the job. And my biggest probably complaint that people get is I just talk too fast. I get too excited about. It. I've been doing this twenty two yeah. years, but it's the fun part of it. That's why I do it. It's why I get up and it's yeah. why I answer the call at eight o'clock. Is what could this be? Yeah. What 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 need can I help? What problem can I solve? If that's what yeah. you're in the business to do, you're gonna have more fun. Well, and it's gonna be somewhere. There's we've created all these guidelines. We created all these boxes, and we're trying to fit people in. And nobody fits in every single box. No, and course. it's I can't believe how many times that we've set all this stuff up, and we have to figure our way around it, or through it, or yeah. how do we solve right. a problem? And that's what makes it fun. So, that also makes delays sometimes, and you get frustrated when you don't meet a deadline, and appraisers yep. don't get done. Yes, there's gonna be frustrations no matter what. But yep. that's why I do what I do. And answering the phones, ninety percent of the job, just yeah. answer the darn phone, it answer is. an email. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> two closing things real quick, and we'll okay. wrap up just because okay. you know we don't we don't like to talk. Forever, oh yeah. yeah. But we, we try to keep it at least somewhat short. But one 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 thing I always talk about is this is a service industry, right? Totally. It's very important 
to me, the, the people that I work with feel like I care about them succeeding in what they're doing, mm. right? I get the same thing with you. You know what I mean? Like, you will pass somebody off if you're like, hey, that's a better interest rate. You need to go with totally. that loan over totally. there. Yep. Rather than say, oh, no, this is good because you're not trying to talk them into your product just because you want to get the close. You want them to have the best mortgage that they can get for them, which you just don't find that a lot. You know what yep. I mean? It's a great personality trait that you have is you actually <laughs> care you. about them very much. It, it's a difference I mean? of being in the business 22 years versus two. I mean, I, I just know it's better to just do right by people. It'll yeah. all work itself out. And it's something where sometimes rates change or we're one rate and they locked at somebody else or a chain. I mean, that's yep. that's going to happen. Yeah. So you win some, you lose some. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing is, is we have to talk about our sponsor for this show. Of course. I think it's Chad, right? Yeah, I think Chad Merrill is our sponsor today. Correct. Yeah. So Chad Merrill, he's a, he's an agent with Team Honey. Uh, Chad just, he's had a couple closings already. He just yep. closed on one a couple weeks back. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, Chad Merrill, he's a, a hard worker. He also, he's a post postal service he does man on the weekends yeah, on the weekends he's yep. he, he's the post office guy so so call chad we'll put his phone number below and in the description here uh but yeah thanks chad for for sponsoring yeah. this video he, we'll send you your invoice for this of course yeah it'll be pricey uh, i guarantee yeah, it'll be pricey, so. <laughs> you know I got, I got a budget i gotta keep exactly it's gonna come out of chat so. okay for sure <laughs> well i guess um, so. my phone number do i list yeah, that please, as well tell, so it's four three four three five six two seven zero four nine four or just my name ryanbolton.com you can google it um, there's a triathlete that's on there. That's not me, but uh, it's right near there. So if you do mortgage or Ryan Bolton, B-O-L-T-O-N, you'll find me. We used awesome. to, if we get good enough, we'll have a little green screen and your name will come up. Oh, hey, like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, we'll, we'll hand and... <laughs> it, it, it'll be somewhere on there, but just it'll probably be in Times New Roman here. So yeah, right down there. Well, maybe Helmetica font, yeah. I appreciate so, the opportunity. This is great. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming. Call Ryan uh, or call us. He's one of our preferred lenders. So as, as we work with you guys when you need help i uh, will get you in touch with ryan Great. and uh, he's uh, uh he'll help you all the way through the process he's part of team honey uh, as a team we have our agents of course but we look at our team as much more than just a few real estate agents yep. uh, our lenders they are part of the team our home warranty companies our title companies they're part of the team and we are all we're all in this together um, to make sure that your home buying or selling process is as smooth as possible so i yep. uh, Thanks so much, guys. Anything yeah. else from either of you? No. Great. Okay. Great. We'll Have see a great you in day. episode four. Have see a great you later. day, everybody.